Hi, this is Chloe Trujillo and you're listening to End Podcast for All. Welcome to a podcast for all. I'm Shane Obershaw. And I'm Jeff Winslow. I don't know if this is like podcast for all, or should we call this God forbid, trivium, darkest hour, lamb of God, bad wolves for all. Yeah, I think that's a better name. It, it might not fit in, in the little caption on the podcast, but hey, I think that's definitely a better name. <laughs> Those bands I just uh, rattled off. Have you seen any, uh, any of them, Jeff? Yeah, I actually, let's see, I saw God Forbid, uh, I think it was like 08, 09 era, uh, they were touring, it was Municipal Waste, God Forbid, Children of Bodom, As They Lay Dying, and Lamb of God was headlining, and uh, I remember uh, at that time I was a big God Forbid fan, uh, their album uh, Constitution of Treason, back in 05, I remember seeing that album cover. Hell yeah. Uh, and it was the, uh, I think it was the Statue of Liberty with the torch falling down. And I remember hearing that band for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, what is this? And then uh, years later, they put on an album called Earth's Blood that I was a huge fan of. Saw them on that tour and they put on an amazing show. Well, tonight we're just happened to uh, just hang up the phone with Mr. Doc Coyle, guitars from Bad Wolves. Hell of a conversation, dude. Yeah, he definitely had some really cool things to say. It was really interesting to hear kind of some of those behind the scenes uh, moments with the the wedding band rehearsals and all of that. And hearing Kirk, you know, kind of not be a dictator, but like we all knew that he was the one in charge. What you're about to listen to is Kirk tells Mr. Doc, dude, turn your fucking volume down. Yeah, you're you're too loud. Only Kirk should be at 11. <laughs> Uh, don't forget the uh, X-Man podcast. This uh, Mr. Coyle gentleman has talked to the Lloyd Grant and the Johnny Z. Talk about old school stories. Yeah, talking to Lloyd Grant, I don't even know what I would say. I mean, a lot of even diehard fans don't even realize that you know he was part of the band. And I mean, to be able to hear some of those stories from early on when they were literally kids, I mean, that's that's amazing. Good stuff. Doc, thanks again for coming on the show. People must wonder why we do these intros before they hear the guest. Uh, when we have these high-profile guests on, there's no time for the hate mail. There's no time for the the email chatter. There's no time to talk about how many inches of snow Jeff shoveled or how cold it is in Florida right now. So we just get right to the bread and butter. We can't thank Doc enough. Doc, if you're listening, thank you. Let's uh, do it again for part two. Anything else, Jeff? Uh, no, I mean, uh, unless we want to just let them know that, uh, the intro got maybe a little, a little messed up. No! That was just a technical difficulty as we call it. <laughs> well.
Well, we have a triangle going from Florida to Minneapolis to uh, Doc's place in Los Angeles. So that's a couple miles to travel. So 20 seconds of the intro being clipped. You can blame that on me. I will blame it on Weefy. A little Whiffy. A little Whiffy. Goddamn Whiffy. So the first 20 seconds, uh, we can kind of improvise. We we sign on, say, yo, Doc, what's up? He's in Los Angeles. And I think he was talking about he got a coffee delivered to him from Uber Eats. Is that correct? Yeah, he needed that uh, that pick-me-up, I think, uh, midday, which is funny because pretty sure when we recorded this, at his time, it was only, what, maybe what, eight nine thirty. Nine. Yeah, nine o'clock. So I mean Nine Pacific, eleven Minnesota, midnight Florida. Midday as he called it. But you know, when you're a famous rock star, I mean your day starts a little bit later and it goes a little bit later as well. Typical rock star, crawled out of bed, Uber eats coffee, and then he rocks it within podcast for all. We loved it, Doc. Thanks again. Without further ado, from the Bad Wolves, from Los Angeles, California, Mr. Doc Coyle. How you doing, Doc? midday kind of like losing losing steam and i actually have my own podcast to work on tonight and i didn't have enough time to run out so i just did it but so it's like Is that like a 12 dollar delivery something like that all <laughs> hey, it, it's worth it though convenience i've been door dashing a lot lately and i'll tell you what i'll pay that extra five ten dollars just to not have to go out you know i'm in minnesota so it's cold so if i don't have to go outside then that's that's a win-win for me well, here's what happened was I was out running errands and I was going to stop to get coffee and I made the wrong turn. So I just didn't go and I was like, I'll be all right. And then I got home and I started to drag ass. And I was like, okay, and I got to be on this podcast. I got to have some brain cells to work with. Brain cells on and podcast for all. I was just out in the LA area. My day job, Doc, I'm working for the airlines. When you're in a hotel with no car, you can't hit a drive through You can't hit a dining room. DoorDash and this Grubhub is, a, is basically our only option out there. By the way, we need to talk about that, how that's discrimination. Because I've been on tour, same thing. We're in the bus, and we're, the bus isn't moving, and the Burger King's moving. They won't let you. I know. Yep. I'm like, this like, is what am I supposed to do? car, anti-carist, or leg, legist, legism. It's something, man. They, I'm like, this they're, they're anti-leggers. I know. <laughs> Some of these people at least have... A, Exactly. At least have a window we could pick it up, a walk-up window. Come on. Yeah, can we get a walk-through? What's up? What's up with the walkers? You guys are onto something. A walk-through uh, app and then the walk-through window and fuck the car. We're, we're all good. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. It's time to start a whole new business venture. Time for walk-through businesses. Doc, you're in LA. Uh, how happy are you right now as a Lakers fan? I'm not a Lakers fan. I'm a Knicks fan. I know, but don't, don't you have to jump on that LA wagon to keep some people happy or you just say enough of this? Well, you have to give them credit. I mean, the Dodgers won and the Lakers won all within a few weeks of each other. And the Dodgers were knocking on the door for however many years. So, listen, I have to say this. When you move cross-country and you go to a new place, you get the the, the fans here for their teams, they're, they're all in. So, I, I love people who are passionate about their teams wherever I go to any town. It's, there's nothing like going to some town somewhere where – you know, you go to Pittsburgh on a Steelers day, it's oh God, yeah. it's insane. And I, I love just absorbing that passion for, for, for anyone. And, and listen, I was, I'm a Kobe fan. I had to get the Kobe jersey. You know, when he passed away, I had to get the Kobe shoes. 
but those Absolutely. those are mainly because they were sick. They were just the so I don't know if you saw the 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 version the Proto Fives, but they were amazing. Absolutely. I also watched the uh, Roy Jones Roy Jones Tyson fight the other night. Did you see Roy's gloves? Yeah, his whole his whole thing was Lakers awesome. oriented. So is he LA? Had the twenty four had the twenty four and the eight. Yes, he is. Okay, I was gonna say he's got to be LA. I wasn't sure if they were just buddies or something. And the fight ends in the draw. I was like, "Holy cow! Welcome to 2020." I did not expect. I that. heard that was predetermined. That uh, that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. I don't. <laughs> obviously, if someone would have gotten knocked out or something, that would happen. But apparently, it was predetermined that it was going to be. They were going to keep it exhibition style, and that way, no one loses face. There you go. To be continued, right? Yeah. Listen, I think Tyson he could take on just about anybody right now, dude. How like does he have different muscles than other people? I've never seen anyone that's fifty five <laughs> that has the same musculature as they did when they were thirty. I was thinking the well, same. Well, not thing. only that, but how fast he's still moving too. Seeing all those training videos and the clips that they were posting, I mean, man, that dude has got speed. Yeah, still he said, at his he, age. Said he was high the whole time. I believe it. Well, it's <laughs> it's a real shame because. If you follow his career, a lot of his stuff started to go downhill after Customato died. And a lot of it was because he just didn't keep up with the training and the fundamentals. But when he was on, people laud his power and and that fear, ferocity. Right. But technically, he, he was brilliant at his peak. You know, people just looked at the athleticism and, and the power. But it, and, and the, the, a really great thing is anytime he gets to commentate on a fight, his technical knowledge of watching other boxers and analysis is, is oh, off yeah, the charts. He knows so much. Always confusion with Mike Tyson, who's standing by with Jim Gray. Jim? Yeah. Okay, thank you, Steve. Mike, was that your shortest fight ever? I was going to rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynx is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody as ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from Nairclaw. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Roy rebounded well too. I have to say, he held. He started pretty bad, but he defensively, he he at least started to hold his own halfway through the fight. You think Nate Robinson knew where he was for those two minutes? Listen, man. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to get brought up. Hey, we're talking basketball, so I had to say, hey, right. <laughs> I, I have to say that there there's these sometimes these sporting events that are almost like proxy race wars in America. So it's like every time the some of it is the time the Patriots were in the were in the Super Bowl, you knew it was like you know who was who was rooting for who, right? When it was when it was like the Seahawks sure. versus the Patriots. Was that the right one? Do I have that right? I forget. But anyway, this is one of those things where all black America just we just call it it's like <laughs> I hung my head. <laughs> well, you can't walk proud. It's like the opposite after the I have a dream speech the next day. <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't be said any better. That's that was spot on. <laughs> but yo, you know, hell of a fight. <laughs> first, all I'm saying is the uh what are those dudes? The Jake and uh and Logan Paul. I mean I don't. I don't want any fisticuffs with those dudes. They're, those dudes are in good shape. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't expect Jake Paul to come out swinging the way he did. That was the real deal, Holyfield. Well, no. He, if you just looked at it, 
he was just boxing better. Nate Robinson was like gunning out with no. I think he was just mm. nervous because it just seemed like he didn't really. There was like no real technique. No, anything. he just he was just he was just thinking I can just go out there and swarm him. And well, actually, it also one of my favorite movies is The Great White Hype. Have you guys seen this with Damon Wayans and Yep Samuel yep. Jackson? And but this was literally the opposite of that because the whole point was. Damian Williams is like, my blackness can beat this, beat this kid. And, <laughs> and he didn't train. And then ultimately, you know what beat him? His blackness. He just, he just, he just ended up beating him anyway. But this was the op- exact opposite of that as well. Exactly. Worth a rewatch, too, if you guys haven't seen it in a while. Perfect. One of the great comedies. Yeah, I think it's on Amazon or something. What doesn't Amazon have? Yeah. Dude, they have so many deep cut action movies from the 80s. It's amazing. And like horror movies. Amazon Prime. All right, I don't. They have all the money. I don't know why I'm promoting these people, but <laughs> Doc said they they offer a couple good features. Well, they 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 know what I like. It's like they're showing me alienation and weird Cynthia Rothrock movies. It's just it's it's ridiculous. Hey, you know Amazon has everything. you can get this for four dollars. The complete guide to planes, trains, and automobiles. Okay, so so everyone says that's the best Thanksgiving movie. I agree. I got another one I think is better. Okay. Dutch. Oh, yes. Dutch is a great movie. <laughs> By the way, also, yes. also Road Trip movie. Yes. But yeah. I think it's better. I forgot about Dutch. That's classic. It is a good Again, one. holds up very well as well. Ed O'Neill, underrated dude. Absolutely. And that kid is a cunt in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who ended? Well spoken. The kid, I think it's the same kid that ended up being... The main guy in Can't Hardly Wait. I don't know. He was also in Empire Records. Yes. Blonde hair dude. Yes. I think it's that same actor. And he's nice in everything else except that movie. Except for Dutch. (laughs) Well, we're nine minutes into this episode. We've talked about the Lakers, Tyson, Amazon, Thanksgiving. I'm having fun, man. This is perfect already. (laughs) Let's get into some Metallica chatter. You ready? Sure. Always. When we look, when we hear the song "The Memory Remains," Doc, when you look back on your life, what was your first memory of the uh, mighty Metallica as a kid or uh, early on in your career? I'm sure it's the Enter Sandman video. <laughs> and for some reason, I guess when you're you're a kid, everything looks, I guess, through the prism of just being a child. And I remember looking at Hetfield and thinking he looks like the the lion from Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. and, and especially in that video for some reason, because it's so, I guess, kind of silhouetted. The hair is so perfect, too. yeah. But in a way, being being that young, I was more right off the bat. I was probably more into Guns and Roses and even Megadeth a little bit. There was something heavier about his voice, about the guitars, that it took a little for me to to really grab me. And it pretty much, it was this weird thing where I was watching MTV and I was into everything. En Vogue and Fresh Prince and Madonna. I was listening to everything on MTV. And slowly but surely, it just, the metal and the rock became the main thing I was listening to. And then I was watching Headbangers Ball and went on there and, oh, yes. and, and got into Slayer and Pantera and Sepultura. And then started listening to local radio stations 
and that led to death metal and thrash metal and had friends show me bands and then just, I just went down the, the rabbit hole. But, but Metallica through that just became, became my favorite band. And I even, and I, I guess I'm sure kids now can't even really understand this, but back in the day when you were a kid, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, CDs were expensive. Oh yeah. So I would get CDs on Christmas. And I remember one year my dad got, my brother and I, uh, ride the lightning and injustice for all. And then, and I, I had heard some, you know, the songs or maybe I had tapes, but it was, but it was, I mean, there was a big leap going from tapes to CDs just in sound quality. So it was a really big difference. It was a big deal when you got a CD, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm hearing it in this right. pristine uh, fashion. And then our, what, what year was that? Probably 93 or 94. And then our friend down in, in the apartment down the, down the hall, he had the Black Album and Master Puppets. So we would literally borrow. <laughs> One of the, you would join forces and have the complete set. Exactly. Train them out, and I like and it. And then, the, and then the following Christmas, my dad got us. Uh, what was it? Uh, actually, maybe it was actually. I think I have this reversed. I think he the first big thing he got us was Live Shit Binge and Purge, and oh, nice. so I actually absorbed Metallica's back catalog through live stuff. So the first time I heard Fade to Black and. Uh, from the bell tolls was on that was the live stuff and it was and it was interesting because you kind of so you thought seek and destroy was 19 minutes right (laughs) drink all your beers i still say it to this day (laughs) no no but it's i think it's a completely different perspective to kind of absorb their entire five album catalog at that time kind of at the same time because everything seemed to be on the same level like i didn't make a distinction between a black album song and a kill em all song even though i could hear the difference but it all just sure. was like oh it's all metallica and it's all cool and i mean and it's a it's a mind-blowing thing when you the first thing you hear is the black album and then you hear injustice for all it's or master puppets the first time you're like oh this is how deep the uh, the rabbit hole goes, you kind of feel like um, Neo in the Matrix waking up in that tube when you when you hear <laughs> black and you're like, are, are you kidding me? That's interesting, though. I mean, especially if you grew up or if your first kind of couple rounds were binge and purge, whiplash and, you know, holier than now. Dick Rash. Through the never can. Yeah, Dick Rash. <laughs> yeah. Four, three, two and a half. All that stuff can sound the same on binge and purge, but then you go from black album to kill them all. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, big difference in mixed quality big left turn yeah but that's the kind of beauty of a live album is there's no distinction between the production so so you're getting yeah it just i don't know there's just metallica from from that point on like i said they'll always be my favorite band it's just there's there's something about uh, a level of dedication i i have another show i do called last words and we got in this big argument about metallica and metallica fandom and actually on the youtube clip people are all they're all shitting on me because i was i I made this point where i was like i'm like i don't think all fans are created equal i said if you're just one of these people's like i only like the first four albums and i'm like yeah you're a worse fan than me because (laughs) i know because i think there's a level of like i think there's a type of fan who says i'm a fan 
So you as the artist, you owe me this, right? right? Whereas me, I'm the type of fan where I'm like, I'm thankful to the artist for whatever. The, I'm like, you gave me all this joy. That's so whatever right. you do from now on, that's just kind of like, you know, icing on the cake. I was just going to say, it's what you take away from the music, whether or not everybody else likes it. That's besides the point, you know, it's it's what you feel about it. No, I just I just think there's a level of toxic fandom, right? Like, look at the way Star Wars fans relate to the material and new material that comes out. I was I was an argument. It's uh, it's spilled over into our politics now. That's how much this you know how i think how toxic it can get but i think it's all with your relationship to how you think you know there's an entitlement i guess that people get when they say when you buy a couple albums or spend a few tickets on a on a movie all of a sudden you feel like you own it very true very true well put so as you listen to those early albums did you ever think you'd be interviewing johnny z and mr lloyd grant on your x-men show doc <laughs> well i don't think i'm sure back then i I definitely I didn't even know Lloyd Grant existed until the thirty was it the thirty year or the forty year anniversary? The thirtieth anniversary. Omar. Yeah. And when I when I read all about that and saw the video, so I was like, there was a black dude in, in Metallica and <laughs> it's like Who's that guy with the big hat? Well when you watch Forrest Gump, part of the joke of the movie is that he was there for every major uh hi- historical point in in, in the American history for a certain amount of time. And that's how I kind of feel like black people are with all the good shit. Like the, in the back, there's always some dude like, like named Rodney who actually invented Apple. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he was really the mastermind behind Bill Gates. It's, exactly. There's always some dude. Uh, <laughs> there was a, actually, there's this great sketch about the missing beetle. I think it was the SNL sketch about that. It was actually a black dude. I've seen that. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty funny. But but no, that was that was just kind of mind blowing to me, and it's funny because we think about especially these early thrash metal times as being kind of uh, singular and not diverse, but they re- they're way more diverse than I think people give them credit for. I mean, Kirk Hammett, you know, is 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 mixed race. I mean, the guys in Slayer, you have uh, Hispanic guys in the band, and we kind of think of it as this like kind of Anglo thing. But it's but when you hear interesting facts like that it's it's cool and it just feels inclusive and it feels like you know i don't know it's a, i i want to live in a world where we're not as defined stereotypically as like oh these type of people should listen to this or these type of people should listen to this and i think a lot of that stuff is just very limiting and uh and by the way and coming from and i talk about this a lot about you know american black culture is we you, we get more of that from that culture of being like, oh wow, you listen to that white people music and stuff like that. So and that stuff, I, I hope you know, even a band like my old band, God forbid, can help to dispel uh, stereotypes like that and say, no, you can like whatever you want, and you're not preordained or you don't have to get stuck in a box. Well, speaking of being diverse, we go from that to uh, a couple weeks ago we had Mrs. Smith on our show. Oh. The Mrs. Smith, the the, the WA champion, the, the WA champion. <laughs> we called the episode "Wigs and Waz," and she told us that uh, you taught her a whole new concept, saying, "Hey, when you're when you're playing rhythm, you might want to turn down." <laughs> we had Doc Coyle on guitar teaching me about how to play backup guitar 
It was like, you need to turn down when you're playing rhythm. I was like, oh, okay. She said it was a light bulb moment for her hearing that from the one and only Doc Coyle. Listen, I'm in a lot of ways rehearsing is, by the way, when we first got in the rehearsal, you know who told me to turn down? Kirk did. Kirk's like, hey, Doc. (laughs) And he wasn't that night. He was like, yo, motherfucker, you better turn down. It's Kirk Hammett around here. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. So he's like, I can't hear my wall. You better turn down. He's like, I'm the lead guitar player, buddy. All right, you back. He's on nine, and you're on about what two? Back me up, motherfucker. Be in the back. Oh no, Kirk, Kirk's on eleven. That's true. Uh, no, well, listen. There's a lot of dynamics when it comes to putting a show together, and I've I've been had the luck to play with so many different bands and so many different musicians, and for some reason, I always end up kind of being a musical director to some degree where I, you know, a lot of my instincts tend to want to organize sound in a room. And and a lot of that is just, and you'll see this on, you know, you'll see some local band and one guy will be at this volume and someone else will be at this volume. And it just sounds clunky. And it's partially because no one, because a lot of times people be in a room and it is an ego thing or in, and everyone we call the volume wars, right? I turn up because you turned up. And the next thing you know, it no one can hear anything because it's just so much. So I've just never, even on stage, like part of the reason why I probably still have my hearing is because I've just never been the guy to turn my amp on 50 uh, because. That is most definitely me, my side of the stage, especially over the last few years since I started DIing the Kemper. I, my side of the stage is so quiet now and I love it. Yeah. Well, well, no, but, but if anything, I've always wanted to be the person I'm like scared that I'm too loud that I'm covering up someone else or, but I, when I get in a room, I want the the room to sound good. So it's about, cause the drums, you can't turn that down. So you just need to kind of get that. But in different situations, there is a hierarchy. And, and so sometimes when the boss says, turn the fuck down, you turn up, you turn down and shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes, sir. Captain Hammett. That's right. He's the, he, he's the captain. You know, I'm first mate. You just, you know, I'll be scrubbing the floors. You just let me know. <laughs> yes, sir, boss. I'll be on the poop deck. Just let me know when I'm needed. <laughs> so while we're talking about Mrs. Smith and Mr. Hammond and Waz, how did that all come about, Doc? What was uh, what was it like getting that phone call? Well, I mean, technically it wasn't a phone call. I mean, I've, I've been playing with Rob since 2015 or 14 because I moved to L.A., and I had toured with Metallica, filling in for Lamb of God in 2009. I saw you a couple times on that tour. Yeah, it was insane. And, you know. Awesome. You know, that's it. I, I could retire after that. No, no joke. I'm, like, not even kidding. And, you know, luckily I got to meet all the guys in Metallica. And they were the most gracious, great people. And, and it was incredible. And so when I moved to L.A., I had this cover band called Rebel Noise Group. And the drummer was Ken Schalk who was the drummer of Candiria and he played with Fuel and he was filling in for Rob's band was called Mass Mental which is band has two bass players guy Armin Sebelicho uh uh Benji Webb from Skindred is on vocals you got DJ C minus who was who played with Corn and then uh Whitfield Crane from Ugly Kid Joe also came in and did did part of the set so anyway so they needed a guitar player for this three song Sabbath section and they were looking to get Kirk to do it. And they were looking to get uh, Joe Holmes, who was an Aussie and he couldn't yep. do it. So somehow uh, Ken brought my name up because he was playing with me at the time. 
then I guess uh, Rob remembered me from doing the Metallica tour. And so they said, you know, come down, come down to the studio. And I learned, and I, I, I had to learn the songs pretty quick, like maybe in like a couple days. And it was uh symptom of the universe, um, hand of doom and uh, age, fairies, fairies wear boots. Okay. And this is a studio in LA. Yeah, mates. Like, uh, basically, it was the room actually where they where they wrote. Uh, was that D- Do record? Uh, Holy Diver, that album. Oh wow! Anyway, legendary room, legendary room. Some anyway, history there. But uh, yeah, so I, I go there and run through the songs, and I'm like, you know, these guys are very fluid. They just jam. You know, start playing, and I'm just kind of jamming along with them, and and I kind of fit in and. So, you know, they thought it was cool enough to have me do the gig. I, I, I did the gig and like Ozzy's there and uh, Stuart Copeland from the police and Duff McKagan's there. Wow. I'm kind of freaking out, but it goes well. First, I moved to L.A. And within six months, the first gig I do is with Rob. So I do the gig. He calls me the next day and he says, hey, man, I love the way you play. I love your attitude. Uh, you know, you have great feel. He's like, I think you're going to do great here, you know, in, in L.A. He's like, just keep keep doing what you're doing. And and then he, he would just call me from time to time, you know, every few months to come jam. Uh, I ended up doing another show with the band. Uh, and this time it was the the, the original drummer of the band, uh, uh, Brooks Wackerman, who's in Avenged Sevenfold now. Yep. And we did this, it's like a award show. And that was awesome. And it was kind of like that for like a year or two. And then right around that time, he got busy with Metallica. I got busy with Bad Wolves. And then, but we would stay in touch, you know, like he actually tried to get me the uh, Suicidal Tendencies gig, but I was obviously busy. And then, oh, wow. And then I heard about this wedding band thing and I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. And he called me. Party time. And then he, he, he emailed me, he said, hey, man, uh, would you be down to do a rehearsal? It was just a and he just to fill in for Kirk because it was just a four piece band, and I was like, and I looked at my schedule. I was like, hey, I'm I'm free those dates, yeah, definitely. And some of the songs were similar to the Mass Mental stuff, so I knew some of the material. But it was a lot of stuff. It was like 17 songs, and for me though, I was just like, hey, Rob calls you, you show up, do a good job. That's it. I just want to make Rob happy. So I learned the set, do the rehearsal, and it and it and it sounded good. And I was like, you know, for me, it's like, whew. Sounded good. Rob was happy. All right, I'm good. Packing up my stuff. And he goes, you know, man, he's like, this sounded really good, man. Really good. He's like, I kind of like to actually have you do this gig. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, that was, and he's like, let me make some calls. So he like goes, make some calls. I'm still putting myself away. And he goes, you Before know. you knew there was this wedding band thing or it was just kind of whatever? No, no. That I was. I did the the rehearsal. It was the wedding band, just the wedding band without Kirk because Kirk. Yeah, could, you were filling in for Kirk. Kirk couldn't do the rehearsal. Gotcha. So oh, okay. I was basically playing the part of Kirk. He was saying, "Hey, let's come on and have you be a second guitar player to just hold it down and kind of, you know, keep it solid." So he makes some calls, and then he and then he's like, "Yeah, you know, we looked at it. We just really don't have the budget." And so I think about it for a second. I go, "Well, what if I could fly, pay for my flight?" And he goes. All right, I'll I'll give you a call you later. So he calls me back a few hours later. I look up flights and stuff and figure all that out. And like eleven, You're like no man, send me the G five. <laughs> well, no, listen. Here's the thing: they roll 
pretty first class. So when they if they like add a person, it's not like a little. It's a big number because they're like they, they sure. stay in nice hotels and they 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 ride first class and there's a lot of expenses. Absolutely. So they're not just gonna have you come out and stay at the Motel Six. So I, you know, yeah, he, no, no fair field for Rob. Yeah. Well, actually, though, here's what was funny. He go, he calls me at night. And he's like, "Yo, all right, if you can get yourself there, we'll have you on the gig." And I was like, "Great." He's like, "Listen," he's like, "We'll take care of your hotel and pick you up from the airport and all that stuff." I was like, "Great." He's like, "Listen, it's not the Four Seasons or anything, but it'll be fine." So I thought he said that as a joke. I got there and they were actually at the Four Seasons. So he literally meant, "You're not saying at the Four <laughs> Seasons like we are." But the hotel, <laughs> but but by the way, the hotel he had me at was ba- was just as nice. It was ridiculous. It was. It's just not legitimately the yeah. first seasons. <laughs> uh, and uh, and listen, man, they were just you know it was and that was so like last minute. You know, we did a one quick rehearsal and you know we got it all together. But I didn't really even have time to think about anything. So it was so fast. Like I flew in, did did rehearsal, did the gig, flew, and I had to start a tour with, with Bad Wolves. But it was it was breakneck. But it was like, whoa, this is amazing. The fact that this kind of just came out of nowhere, and then you know maybe like eight months later or six months later, he called me again to say, hey, we're, we're going to do a real another gig. But this is like a this the first gig was at it was like at a showcase room, so it was only like maybe three hundred people there. This was like a real show at a theater. And and we were there's gonna be a ton of rehearsals and all this stuff. So that was the the first one is in Toronto and the second one was in Columbia, South Carolina, and all of it was geared around Kirk's uh art, his uh his his horror exhibit. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's a big production, all the stuff that goes goes into this. And so this was just a lot more elaborate the second time. So it was a bigger set list, and we had a second singer, uh, let's do Bobby, who was like more of a, a funk singer. So we had more funk songs. There was a horn section, and then they had the whole wah competition uh, with Miss Smith and and uh, Kirk, and that was a big production because we did the whole thing over the Shaft theme song. And the Shaft about a fifteen minute jam. Well, the original song is pretty long, but it's 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 just it's actually very technical. The the arrangement, all the the transitions are odd times and and weird stuff. So, and I I like transcribed all the horn parts because it was. <laughs> It was a whole, it was a whole production, uh, kind of, kind of making it, making it happen. Uh, and then even when we did it live, it was very like, it was, it was a lot of it was feel and people were just going in, yeah, just kind of going off the cuff. Yeah, you had to, but it, it turned out great and it was a lot of fun. The crowd loved it, and this, uh, I was just, I was just, you know, have to hold that down because I thought Kirk was gonna do that because he's the wild master, and that like last second he's like. You doing the chicken picking chat shaft part of it? Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Yes, Captain. Yes. <laughs> I'm on it. You just stand on that eight foot uh, tall crybaby, and we'll take it from. Hey, there. I had to. I got to surf on it. I saw your picture. Legit, man. Yeah, but it was it was fun. That one was a lot of work. Like it was. We had, we did five rehearsals in L.A., five rehearsals in South Carolina, then did the gig. So it was it. Was, but it was funny. It was like did that. And then pandemic hit right after that. So that's the last gig I did. Yeah, that was like what February this year? End of February. In South like Carolina. the last week of February, yeah. It's been rough, man. By the way, sorry for the long story, but that's that's the wedding my situation with the wedding band is kind of a, is Great kind story, of a long yeah. story. 
That's a great story, though. That's great. I didn't know you and Trujillo went back that far. That's awesome. Yeah, man. And he's listen. He's been a real mentor for me uh, because his career path I feel is is not too dissimilar from mine. In that you know he started with one band and made his sure. name, and one thing led to one thing, and one thing led to another thing. And he just the the great thing is about learning from people is not necessarily that they're going to sit down there and tell you what to do, but just by seeing them work. And him, he's, you know, you, you just start to see that part of the reason he probably has me is I'm, I'm very serious about preparation for, for gigs. And I'm, I'm very in, and that goes into the rehearsal room and coordinating and communicating. And the thing about him is he's just, he has such a great attitude. Like I've never seen him in a bad mood, not once. And that just goes to show you how much of just being a, a pleasant person to be around and a positive spirit, that's what helps you in 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 this field because ultimately when you get the call to do gigs, there's a lot of good players out there. There really are, uh, you know, for what for what we do. But half the time people are gonna want someone that they enjoy spending time with. And big team player. And 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 they're really into that uh family vibe you know every night it's like we're going to eat to dinner we're going to get coffee we're gonna go look at uh we're gonna go see something and 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 that's a really special thing to sure. to to kind of see that they they see the bigger element it's not business it's not all business it's really about the connection and hanging out and and bonding you know and that, you know, that's what bands are really yeah being more like a band and less like kiss <laughs> i don't what's what hey now listen i got nothing to say about kiss i got i got nothing i love i i do love kiss i just you know we all know that uh they're more of a business than than a band <laughs> basically jeff what doc is saying is they did not choose him because he's got new air jordan guitar picks yeah yeah i don't think i, I had mean, those you, when when i got those are game. badass man i just saw your post uh today about them your new pick tins. how many did you buy Oh, about four hundred. Uh huh. I'm waiting for the orders. PayPal on the wave via. Do you Bitcoin. accept Apple Pay? I do actually. Stripe, buddy. I love it. I'm set up. I'm ready to go. Love the Jordans, <laughs> man. And that's coming from a Knicks fan too. Yeah, but everyone Jordan is beyond teams. That's just Jordans. Jordans is like yep McDonald's or Coca Cola. It's just Jordan. All right. Yeah, I agree. Take us back to 2009, Doc. What was the World Magnetic Tour like? I mean, so I was going through a breakup <laughs> and a personal uh, crisis, like a third life crisis. And so it was literally the so the first day was in Nashville at the arena down there, Bridgestone Arena. And ooh, I was at that show. Really? Wow. With, uh, that's the one that Lemmy was yep, at? Lemmy. I was there. And it, it was the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life. And it was like the whole day. Like, I just couldn't stop my hand from shaking because not only is it the biggest thing I'd ever done at that time, but it was also playing Lamb of God songs and having to play Mark Morton's parts, which were... Not easy. Yeah. They're not the easiest. No, no. It was a real mountain to climb. And and so it's this... But it was a, it was a moment for me where, you know, I was you set out to do something really challenging and not knowing if you're up to the task. And now it's like, here's the moment. And then I was, you know, shaking in my boots 
And right before we go on, Chris Adler, I mean, literally the intro music is playing. And Chris Adler goes, goes right before I go out. And he goes, hey, man, just put on a good show. And it kind of like settled me down. And I went out there. When you do those shows in the round, you have to go through a path through the audience, almost like a boxer. Like a shoot. Yeah, you go. And so the, you go in and there's people all, all around to the left and right of you. So it just had this very, uh, like you, I'd never had a show experience like that playing playing in the round. And I was just so amped up and hyped up. I just kind of, your muscle memory for performing just takes over. And it, and and I got through that first show and it was, it was like, okay, I can do this, you know? And it was, it was an incredible experience because it kind of gave me my confidence to think that I could have a career outside of just God forbid. And so I, you know, and that led to a you know bunch of fill in work with other bands and playing with other people and, you know, just being there with something like Metallica. I mean, that's my favorite band. I watch them every night from the floor and I, I, I meant what I said. Like I could have ended my career at that point and achieved basically everything I had, I'd wanted to. And it was the pinnacle back in 09 for you. Well, I mean, listen, I've done a lot of amazing things since then, but mm-hmm. everything I've done since then is not anything I feel like I needed to do. Or if I don't do that, then my life, you know, there's no, I've done all the stuff in terms of, for the sake of, of doing it. Sure. Uh, I don't think there's really any, any benchmark. I don't know. I, I'd have to think about it. It's probably almost different benchmarks that I don't look at in terms of, scale like i need to tour with this band or play in this size venue that that stuff isn't really something that that motivates me anymore did those 50 minutes in the round fly by or feel like two hours Mm, every night probably fly by i mean i i remember i mean with with lamb of god it was really there were certain songs that were more challenging than others so you just kind of like want to get through all right, let me get through this song that's kicking my ass or get through this part. Like there you know, uh, walk with me in hell such a bitch to play that 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 lead yeah, line. There's, there's definitely a few parts in that song that are pretty tricky. That one um something to die for. Now you have something to die for has its own challenging elements. Um Oh yeah. Uh you know, there's there there's a lot of songs where it's just you kind of like, okay, I got this thing I got to deal with and that's so but it was honestly, it was just so much fun. Their songs are really fun to play, and you 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 get a completely different sense of appreciation for a band when you have to learn the material and you get to play with the band. And you like I filled in for Darkest Hour a few years ago, and and just had a great time. You just you, when you get to play great songs, it's great. You know, it's it's you you're like well, I suppose <laughs> I suppose it also helped too because I mean, God forbid, toured with Lamb of God too, so you knew those guys. Well, yeah, but I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, most not most of the time, it's going to be people that you're friends with. You know? Your friends, yeah, yeah. And that's like I said, that's half the reason why you're there. It's not just they can get some YouTube nerd to play the stuff flawlessly. That's so it's not what you know, too. You know, yeah, they can get Mrs. Smith. They can, they can. She, I mean, she is sexier. Okay, that is without a doubt. She got the shred. Oh, from God forbid and Darkest Hour, then uh, Trivium, those friends of yours as well? Yeah, well, I did uh, I did one show playing bass for Trivium. How'd that come about? Uh, Paulo 
the bass player was getting his wisdom teeth out, I think. And so I had to miss Ooh. the first day of Mayhem Fest. So I only had like a day and a half to learn. It was only five songs, but I held it down. Cool. Man. I was upset I, cool. I couldn't learn the background vocals. I was like, man, I wanted to hit the harmonies and stuff, but I just didn't have. Paulo's got some pretty crazy harmonies that he does. I can do them. I'll do. Them. I'll do them. All right, Paulo. Hey, Paulo. Don't He's like I got. This. Don't turn your ankle. All right, I got the. I got the haircut for it. <laughs> and I, I'm a better singer now, so looks like someone's gunning for Paulo's job. But he plays with his fingers, so I'd have to. I have to play with a pick, though. You're more of a Newstead guy. That's right. It's all that live shit, binge and purge, man. Dude, I need my neck is hurting just thinking about that. All that dick rash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, when your head looks like a penis, you know it's more dick rash. <laughs> You're admitting that, or someone else told you that? We know what heads, bald heads, look like. Come on. At least you can admit it, man. That's powerful. That's right. You can't make fun that's of yourself, more... who are you? That's, that's more right. than our bass player will admit. So that's all good. Yeah, our bass player is bald, but yeah, he just. Doc's got the smooth look. Mikey's got nothing on Doc. Oh, shit. Sorry, Mikey. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> we play in a Metallica tribute band, Doc. Oh, who does what? I'm the Lars. I'm Kirk. You're Kirk. Okay, you got the, you got the facial hair for it. For like, That's like, what What era is that Kirk facial oh, hair? It'd be, it'd be like 93. Yeah, yeah. he had a little more. He had that's a, live shit right there. Yeah, yeah, San Diego. You put some curl, you curl that hair up? You get some of them curls happening? No, no. They've been trying to get me to permit, but I keep offering to permit for him, Doc. But he won't do it. Okay, shit. Just like they paid for your hotel at the Four Seasons, <laughs> I'm going to pay for his perm. Yeah, it's all good. I'll pass. Maybe if I get to meet Kirk, I'll I'll permit just to see who does it better. Then you're in. I'll tell you, it's you know what's best about Kirk too is that he just looks amazing. He has like no not a wrinkle on his face. He's in great shape. You know, Flawless. and he just looks cool. You're just like, man, he got beautiful. Skin. I'm just like, man. I need to. I need to be like Kirk, man. Get my life that's together. What, that's what happens when you spend half your life on the ocean. I know. I need to get out there. A couple gray hairs, but yeah, when you're in Hawaii, you, you look like a movie. Yeah, star, but he right? looks great with gray gray hair. Like he looks. He's he, true. He just looks cool. Like some. He can pull it off. Yeah, he looks great. We've got this section, Doc. When other guests come on the show, called the "I Disappear Desert." If you were stranded somewhere for a hell of a long time, what would be your top five songs in the I Disappear Metallica Desert? So this was tough because it's kind of prepared. So thank you. Well, it, it just it, it changes. And I can't even say these are definitively my favorite songs. That's okay. Ours but, change as well. But I actually did seven because fuck you guys. I'll do whatever I want. All right. Yeah, fucking podcast for all. This is the Coil 7. Okay. I mean, the first three are definitely there. Okay. And then I, I had to throw in a couple new songs, a cover. Perfect. And then a cover song. And then kind of like a wild card. Okay. Oh, That's I good. Hope, I, hope, I hope the wild card's a St. Anger song. No. No. <laughs> but Jeff's got a cover song. I've got a cover song. So we love it. Well, okay. Okay. So my favorite Metallica song is Blackened. Yes, I think it has Shane's favorite because I think it has everything. It has all of the Metallica stuff in one song. Love it, Doc. So this is going from one to seven, one being the top. Yes, yes, love it. And it's just it's a perfect thrash metal song because it has the speed and intensity. It's catchy. It's got the riffs. It's got probably either the best Kirk solo or like top two or three Kirk solo ever. 
And then the midsection is the heaviest anthemic evil. It's just it's just perfect. Okay. Now, can you name how many different time signature changes there are in that song? Because uh, I sure as hell can't. No, I mean, I've, I've never counted it. I just know the one uh, after the solo, it, it does the switch over. Yeah, on the studio version. By the way, they they don't do it live. They cut out. Yeah, I know. I wish they would do it Well, they probably, because they probably fuck it up. So they're like, no. They might forget. They're like, forget all that. Um are you a theory guy that actually counts all that shit and, and thinks about signatures, or you just go off of fuel? It just depends if I have to, because uh, it okay. just depends. If you just get it, great, but it's important to know that. So you're at a play. So I did that with at Jam Night in L.A. I covered it, and uh, and we we did it great. Uh, but we we did it like the album, and it worked out. So I don't know. I, I can't. Re- but it's just like if you if I have to count something to in order to understand it, then I, I will. You know, whatever, whatever way that is. Um, second one, sad but true. It's the, you know, I, I feel like when the blackout, when I have the black album, I don't know if you guys do this. I would always skip Enter Sandman. Oh yeah, I, would just, I still do. I would just, I just go right to sad but true. And the truth is, it's probably off this album. It's like sad but true. It's just it's just there, right? It's just it's just it's all the stuff you want. But right under it, it's like a Wolf and Man and Holy Than Now are also I think Absolutely. deeper cut some of the best Metallica songs. That's why it's rough for me to say what's my favorite because it, on any given day it could be a Wolf and Man. You know I don't know. But just like when Bob Bob Rock said Sad but true is the cashmere of the nineties. Dude, it's <laughs> Yeah, well Bob also wanted Holier to be the first single, so Yeah, but I, here's what here's what I'll get. How does it go from almost being the first single to not being a single at all? At yeah, all that's yeah. true, to just hide that away in track three and tuck it away. It, it still could have been a single. It, it is you cannot you cannot mess with Holier now. You just can't. No, especially live. They've been playing that live lately. Yeah. Shouldn't say lately, but on the World Wired Tour a lot. That's that song's huge live. If they were to release that as like their first single, all the Justice fan and first four album era people would have still thought that Metallica still, you know, had it. But, you know, coming out with Enter Sandman, it changes it a little bit. They're like, whoa, 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 opening up with clean guitar. Okay, okay. Yeah. Totally different vibe. No, no, I yeah. I, I, I hear it. But Sabo True is just, it's just got the heavy. It's just got the yep. heavy. And it's... uh. I used to do it with my cover band, and it was just all... It's just the most fun song to play. It's the best. Yes, it is. Okay. Third, Leper Messiah. All right. Ooh. All right. Also, just want... Just just the riff, groove situation is just... You just can't mess with it. Love the bridge, and it gets me amped up. Um, yeah, it's just, you know... I, I know there's different songs of that record people like more, but... For me, for my One, money, two, three, four, five. <laughs> exactly. Got you. Got to love the large count off, right? What does he do on that? It's a five count. It's one, two, one, two, three, four, five. Dun, dun, dun. Oh shit! I'm le- learn something every day. Crank, <laughs> crank it up in the beginning. You'll hear a Lars sounding like a 14 year old kid. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, black and sad leopard, dude. I can't. 
That's strong as hell. What do you got? Not, what do you got next? Now, like I said, I don't. I can't say these are my. I don't know if they're my favorite ever, but I it, call it recency bias. But if I, you know, I like that. So, uh, from Death Magnetic, Broken, Beaten, Scarred. Yes. People, there's this new thing where people like to hate on Death Magnetic. And I'm like, like, oh, you know, the new one's pretty good. But I'm like, do you like metal? Like, what? I don't know. I think that, like, I think they're literally saying they don't like it so that other people will, like, look around and be like, yeah, it sucks, right? And they high five about hate, like, hating. But it's so good. And that song, the mastering is screwed up. I'm like, I've never, I've never thought about mastering on an album in my life. For the most part, I fucking love that album. But broke, broke, beaten, scarred. It's just, it's just. What, you know what I love about it? A, like I said, as you can tell, I'm into the groovy Metallica songs. I'm into the real head nodders, and this Absolutely. one is just, it's just got full headfieldness. You know what I'm saying? You rise, you thaw, no nem, no Give it, you know. It's just got. No, that song that song has got a lot of groove. It's funny you say that. Full we, of groove. We had Kyle from The Sword on uh, a few weeks ago, or it was, I guess now a couple months ago. Wow, time's flying by. But um, That was one of his songs, too. Yeah, he was saying that, and he was saying that uh, they said that they were listening to The Sword, and that was kind of their inspiration for some of the grooves in that song. But the main riff that... Is this one of the best Metallica? I'm like, yo, man, that's that shit. You like lean back, you like, okay, okay, okay. I didn't, I didn't know okay. you. I didn't, I didn't know you gonna pull that out. Okay, uh, that's exactly what it was. And when when you're on tour with them in '09, they were playing that every night. That tour, not every night. Sure, I don't think they played it every night. I think there were certain songs they played every night. I just don't know if they played that one every night. Maybe they did. They just skipped it the nights that you were playing. No, they? they changed their dude. They changed our set list every day. That was lovely, especially um, on magnetic. They'd open up with life and line, and then you'd get day and cyanide. And like, I thought BBS was a was a nightly one. I'd have to look at it, but they did the first two. They would do cyanide. They would do the day that never comes. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think if there was, and maybe my it might have been my apocalypse. Um, I can't remember, but. But they and then they would add stuff um, through throughout. Rotate some slots. Yeah, um, but I can't remember if they played it every day. If they did, then I'm then I I am corrected. Uh, okay, track five, modern classic, spit out the bone. Um, yes, I mean, come on, man. Like I, I I this is what I'm saying about the people that the haters, the people going to hate on new Metallica. I'm like, yo, that shit's undeniable. Like. I like. Can you imagine a new band coming out with that song with spit? Yeah, like you, it, you can't imagine anyone else creating that. And if they did, it'd be on the radio every fifteen minutes. Well, it wouldn't it's like seven minutes long? They're like the only reason even Metallica they pl- okay a jamming version. I don't think they would play. It, but what I'm saying is it's pure thrash. Yeah, but it has this element of hook and this thing that just like I don't know. It's just something that. There's a reason why certain bands... It's like the new ACDC, right? You know exactly what you're getting. Well, but not only that, we've heard bands try and be like ACDC. But no one can do that except them. Like, they, they, they can only conjure that feeling. Like, those few people can make that sound 
that have that clicks very true people and yeah and spit out the bone man it's just like when that verse kicks in if you're like goosebumps aren't happening then i i don't i don't know you don't like metal something's wrong with you i'm always surprised that that was the last track on the record well they knew they're like we're gonna close this shit off with the series but it's a hell of a closer to a degree though is it the last track if it has the bonus disc with all oh, you're right with uh, lords of summer lords of summer. And... lords of summer that's a good point so we were talking about lords last week great song great just song iffy Not, lyrics and i yeah. think that's why i didn't get the cut it happens song six merciful fate medley oh wow. going to the king so I like it I, I like it like i go so far i did a cover i did like a i was writing for vh1 and my first article was the best cover actually no no i can't remember what i did anyway i i would go on record and say this might be the the best cover ever because I could, I, yeah, because that's tough to beat. Well, they took four, it's four songs, right? Yes. Four. And to kind of make it feel like one song or at least one piece of music is insane. And I know for a lot of people who are huge King Diamond fans and Merciful Fate fans, they hear this and they're to them, they hear King Diamond singing, but I just only hear uh headfield so when i listen to the, the merciful fate versions i'm like man you know what these tracks need they need some headfield on here all right clean this shit up around here all right You're used to a headfield metallic hey king why don't you sit this one out all right we need to sit. come here head <laughs> you're out of here uh, my favorite lyric from that i was born in the cemetery dude, you talk about lyrics lyrics i love that and, line dude dude every this whole thing has great lyrics man i'll I, I love it. And the riffs, oh my god. And by the way, it's my favorite drum, one of my favorite drum sounds ever. Garage Inc. And, oh, and especially, perfect. it's like that one. He does a drum fill. You hear all the drum, and they all sound so good. Oh my god. I love it. I think that's when he's doing those triplet fills. So good. And so, by the way, this is also a good cheat code for jukeboxes because it's one credit, but it's 12 minutes long. <laughs> All right. It's like a good old Contra Nintendo. Cheat or, code. no, you could be a real dick. You, you spend like five, $3 on the jukebox and you play this and then like Bohemian's Rhapsody and then pull and Justice for All. Yeah, Pull Me Under by Dream Theater. <laughs> right. And like pull the longest Avenged Sevenfold song you could find. And then the Justice Medley, then the Kill Ride Medley. There you go. There you go. what I like. So, so that's that's just there's your cover. There's my cover. Best cover of all time. That's that's a bold statement, but that's bold. But I I totally agree with it. That's saying something. I mean, you know a thing about covers. You know, you you definitely know. I don't know. (laughs) All right, Uh all right. Maybe one cover. Wild card. Or wild card. Number seven, a wild card. Wild We've card. never had a wild card, so maybe you're starting a new uh, tradition here on and Podcast for All. Ain't my bitch. Okay. <laughs> wow. That That is not only out of left field, that's that's out of the ballpark. That one's never been said either, I don't think, by any guest. Because, and people, I was on that other pod, my other podcast, they were talking about Ain't My Bitch like 
it's not good. And I was like, I want to kill each and every last one of you motherfuckers for besmirching the good name of Ain't My Bitch. That's a great song just because of the slide solo. No, I just think, again, we go back to this lyrical thing. It's this real... You know what it kind of reminds me of? It's like, it's like, like that old time of rock and roll. It's, it has a very 1981 rocking out in, you know, that groove as in, well. in Peoria. Yeah, it's, it's, and I get it coming off of even the black album or anything. When you, that's your first introduction to new Metallica, it probably pissed off a lot of people. But me, I was in that mode where I was just so happy to get any new Metallica. I, did, I just absorbed it. But I, See, I always thought that was a great opener, too. I think it is, but it's this thing. I don't. I just That's a song I put on when I want to get amped up. Because there's no way you can listen to it and be in a bad mood. No. It's like, headstrong, what's wrong? Come on, man. <laughs> like, what do you do, man? I'm going to work on my damn car. <laughs> Go go in the garage and lift some weights. A little western twang right. you gave to that too, Doc. I love that. Got me a wrench, and then a crowbar. Can you? What's another part? What what else tools can I use? Crowbar for that slide solo. That's right. Love that is one truck. Hell of a list, Jeff. That's the first time we've had someone say "fuck you." I'm not giving you five. I'm giving you seven, including the cover and a good old wild card. That's right. Yeah, I'll accept. I'll accept it. Blacken. Sabatru, Leper, BBS, Spit Out the Boner, Merciful Fate, Ain't My Biatch. Like, how many of these have no one else done? Most of them? I'm sure uh, the first bitch, three. And I think Bitch is the only one that hasn't ever been. Oh, wow. People, there's some other Merciful Fate people out there. Okay. I think only once We've we had, had like, Merciful I think uh, Merciful Fate was said once. Twice. Mr. Coyle is the third one. Oh, wow. Kyle from the sword was BBS. Uh, spit out the bone maybe once or twice, and I think this is the first bitch as well. I like it. Yeah, bitch. This is definitely the first. Bitch is everywhere. <laughs> I love it. By the way, can we can we talk about? I mean, may, I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot, but how amazing all the you know how all the concerts they put out over the course of the pandemic, and how back in the day, like I said, we would pay $80 for live shit binge and purge for three concerts right and they put out how many did they put out 20 30 metallica metallica mondays yeah and yeah and they're all sound incredible and they look incredible and they span throughout their entire career Dude. which was cool and they gave did it for free for free and uh i think they touched every tour too because if you think about it they had that uh that Chicago footage from the Metro in 83 all the way up to stuff that was very recent. 18 months ago. Yeah. Very recent. And, but I just don't think people will ever really give them the credit for something like that, that that was something during a rough year, something to look forward to, something to put smiles on people's faces. I remember, I remember, Absolutely. you know, I'd have friends over and I would just put it, whatever, just a random concert and just put it on. And it just it was it always just put me in a good in in a good mood, and I think that things like that, like I said, because they're the biggest metal band, people they're a target uh, for oh, for people to talk shit. But that's th- these are things that no one else is doing, right? It seems like anytime anybody becomes popular, that that type of shit just happens. You know, it's like it's it's ex- it's expected, you know. If it's called the internet, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, listen, it, it, it is what it is. And I think there's definitely eras of the band where they kind of made themselves right for for criticism. And that that is what it is. But like I said, me as a fan, I can like all certain things and they can put out an album that, that I don't like, but it doesn't necessarily make me, that doesn't make me not like the stuff I already like, you know, right, I don't, right. or just say, Hey, you know, or, or same thing. If I, if I love a director and they put out five movies I like and they make one movie I didn't really like, doesn't make me still like them. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, you know what? You know what? Guess what? Making things is hard. <laughs> right. Making I mean, great albums is hard. Making exactly. a great film is hard. You know, I think I think we should have a little bit more, uh, I guess, compassion, respect for or acceptance. Yeah, acceptance for. Uh, I mean, I don't like Lulu, but I still love Metallica. Yeah, same here, same here, and and I and it's okay, and, and I think, but the reason why I give them more credit than most is their willingness to kind of to put themselves out there. To yeah, push the boundaries a little bit, you know, and, and like I said, ha- have a recording that maybe is not the most that, that's not like, hey, we're going to make everything perfect. They'll put themselves out there to be vul- there's a vulnerability and a risk taking uh, nature to their that's u- really unique to them and almost any other metal band I can think of. It almost makes them just seem more human than other famous metal bands or famous bands. Period. Yeah, look, I mean, look at the do- the documentary. Some kind of monster is very much warts and all, and and the lowest point in the band. Who would do that? Because most bands and most, especially, they just give up at that point. Well, no, but everything is geared around saying how, hey, man, we're killing it, we're crushing it, we're everything's great all the time. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's everyone on social media, right? It's like, oh, right. look, look at this amazing dinner I'm having, and look at this amazing party I'm having, look at this thing, and it's it's the the greatest hits of your life right. instead of, hey, you know what? Sometimes things are great, sometimes things suck, and we're gonna show all well of that. Well said, well put. So, I I just respect that uh, from an art- artistic standpoint because it shows you can reach the top heights without presenting like just this false uh fake version of of a rock star you know very true before we cut you loose doc one more question there's a video of you in a hallway sitting down at guns and roses road case Mm. and down the hall i can hear them rehearsing i think it's you could be mine yes how did that come about and uh what happened after that I mean, there's not much of a story there. We were rehearsing at Mates, that same studio that I okay. was. This is Bad Wolves was rehearsing there, but it, just, it was it was actually a different facility. It was the bigger facility, and we were rehearsing. And the funny thing was, someone was like, "Oh, it's uh, Duff McKagan's solo band is rehearsing or something," and and I don't know why they said that because. We walked through there was, there was this room where there's like a coffee yeah, machine and a bathroom. Well, no, you if it was a Duff McKagan solo band, you could still understand why they would be covering. Sure, you could be mine. That wouldn't be so so weird. But then we go in there and we see all the cases, and I'm listening, and I'm like, I think that's Guns N' Roses. But and then we we, we it was confirmed it was Guns N' Roses. So it was just a coincidence, but. If you're rehearsing at a studio like that, any of the major studios in LA, I mean, it's always going to be somebody big next door. I mean, I we you know, we heard 
uh, David Lee Roth with his Vegas band that same week. Um, you know, I was rehearsing. We we were doing a little performance thing, like Bad Religion is next door. I mean, if you're at the the good, the good places, yeah. I mean, even we were we were doing one rehearsal, and I think ACDC was doing some warm up rehearsals before some like South American tour because they were that was like their stop point in between the the places so i mean that's the cool thing about la you know can you imagine shane walking down the hall oh there's bad wolves on one side there's acdc on the other side there's guns and roses down there i mean that's i was gonna tell doc metallic is my number one but number two is gnr man that video was so cool do you talk about the video that i posted was cool yeah, you're in the hallway and oh. your buddy's sitting on the GNR case and they're playing You Could Be Mine and you're kind of like, holy shit, they're right down the fucking hall. Dude, I was mad because if I would have known that they were there all day, I would have like been creeping way harder. It was like <laughs> it was like right when we were wrapping up and I was like, you know, I was like, okay, sure. What should I do? Because I go. By the way, I, I've never I met, I got to meet Duff that one night with true with Mass Menzel, but I still never met slash and slash is my favorite guitar player so i think that's i'm I don't, i'm not a m- much of a fate person but it will happen but it just has to be the right time it'll happen it's coming i think he's my only hero like music hero i haven't met so i've met all metallica i've met dave grohl I'm trying to think nice i'm trying to think yeah i think it's just slash so i was hoping and mrs smith well, Miss Smith, I mean, that's number one. That's I got a tattoo. I got a Miss Smith, Miss Smith tattoo. No, I'm not going to show you guys. <laughs> Camera doesn't go down that far. We believe you. Yeah, I got it right above my 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 jungle region. You know, <laughs> she knows. She knows. She knows. Oh, that's legit. Well, I that's, just, that, that, that's a private conversation between them. That's right. That's a personal thing. Well, Doc, we've had fun, man. Thanks again for coming on and podcast for all and uh, helping to drive the show. Of course, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a it's a great time. Anytime I can talk Metallica with fellow uh, nerds is a is a good day. Hey, it's amazing yeah. how fast seventy minutes can fly by when you're talking to your favorite band, right? Right on. Well, I appreciate you fellas having me, and this was definitely a lot of fun. Thanks again, Doc. We knew it'd be fun. We've been looking forward to it for uh, for a long time. Well, definitely. Thank you, guys. You have a great night, and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks again, man. Thanks, Doc. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Die!